Mitch Ferraldis, Steve Zinsmeister, Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Alvarado ready. Rado digs in. And a shot to left center. That's a hit. D-backs lead. Other runner goes to third. Marino delivers in the clutch. It's 6-5 Arizona. Gabby Marino took a 3-1 pitch and drilled it between the center fielder Rojas and Marsh to put the Diamondbacks on top. The number of the day is 23. Michael Jordan. LeBron James. That's and it's also the age of, like, every single member of the Diamondbacks, apparently. <laughs> Welcome back into Arizona Sports Saturday. We're with you until 1230 today. We're setting you up for Coyotes Hockey Home Opener against the Ducks. Coverage for that one starts at 1230. He's Steve Zinsmeister. I'm Mitch Ferraldis. we got Trevor Henry behind the glass sporting a beat state shirt in the colors of Michigan blue and yellow. So if you can't have, if you, if you don't know what that's for, I can't help you. I can't help you. Are you 23 as well? Yeah, I'll be 23 today. <laughs> okay, 23. Got it. Did you a solid right there. You're welcome. Uh, and then, of course, it's a direct shot at Steve because Steve is rooting for said state. Uh, who's not uh, looking too no, hot no, no, right no, no. now. Well, yeah, no. I assume that's for Michigan State. That's right. Yeah, we got to show little brother state. what's up. See, you don't even know what you're talking about. That's for Michigan State today, man. Yeah, but Ohio State Michigan still doesn't falls call Ohio category. State state. We call them that school down south. Yeah, Ooh. no, they don't even acknowledge us. And it hurts my heart. No, Shows really you how much. Less. Sure it does. Yeah. Shows you how much I know about college football. Anyway, listen to data later today when I'm on the State of the Sun Devils podcast. Michigan State still has a football team? Oh, man. After all they've got going on? Man. <laughs> Consider themselves lucky. This Diamondbacks team, Steve. 23. 23. That is the age of several of these players. You just heard one of them in the highlight there in Gabby Moreno. Gabby Moreno, Corbin Carroll, Geraldo Perdomo, Alec Thomas. Am I missing any? Fought's a little bit older. He's 25. Saul Frank's 26. But it feels like the guys that are coming up in the biggest moments have been oh, yeah. 23 years old. I mean, yeah. just on last night alone, Gabby Moreno with the game-winning single and then Alec Thomas with the game-tying home run. Here's Tori Lovello talking about specifically those 23-year-olds. Better than you can imagine. Um, and you said it best, right? We're, we're in the middle of a journey. It's a three-game series. And uh, um, we're not going to lose focus. We're going to keep that competitive edge and that competitive focus. I can guarantee you that. But we're going to enjoy this moment. Um, I can't really describe how I feel because I haven't had a chance to interpret what just happened. It happened so quickly. And it was just a group of players banding together um, and getting the job done. Uh, and there's a lot of excitement in that clubhouse. We got a lot of 23-year-olds that um, go out and perform at a high level, and then when it's time for them to act like 23-year-olds, they do. And that's a lot of fun for me to watch. But it's a great moment for this organization. I'm very proud of these guys. I love this team. I love these guys. That was one of my favorite quotes from Lavello last night. They go out there and they perform at a high level, but when it's time for them to act like 23-year-olds, they do. That's very much an encapsulation of what this team is, right? A bunch of young dudes that go out there and perform like professionals and then get to goof around because they succeeded. You know who I'd be interested to get his perspective on this? Kyle Schwarber. Hmm. Stay with me for a second. I think I know where you're going with this, but Kyle go ahead. Schwarber came up in 2015. As a 22-year-old, he played, I don't know, he got like 200-plus at-bats. 2016, he missed the majority of the season, but you remember he came back as a 23-year-old. He came back specifically for the World Series, beats my Cleveland Indians. I don't want to talk about that. But he uh, 
he was this guy in 2016. Klaus Schwarber was doing the kind of stuff that Alec Thomas did last night. Gabby Moreno. Ironically, Schwarber was also kind of a catcher, although more likely a DH in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, that's an interesting question for Kyle Schwarber maybe is, hey, can you, can you acknowledge what some of these 23-year-olds are going through with the Diamondbacks? Because there's two sides of the coin here, right? There's, hey, the bright lights, this is the big moment, and you're a rookie. You might not be up to, up to snuff for this. Mm-hmm. But the other side of the coin is they, this is all they know. They haven't been around all that long. I mean, Moreno is technically a rookie this year, right? Because he didn't play a lot he, last year. He qualified last year. Okay, so, so he's, he's not, not technically he's a rookie. He's not a rookie, but he's but still this 23 is first years full old. season. Yeah. Corbin Carroll qualifies for rookie of the year this year. He's going to be the rookie of the year in the National League. Alec Thomas uh is in his second se- second full season. I mean, these guys are so young. They're they're so fresh, they're so new, they're so green that they don't know anything different than the lights that they're seeing in the NLCS right now. You know, it's funny. You mentioned that Cubs team, and I immediately recall the stat that Sarah Langs, uh, the great uh, MLB stats guru, was able to dig up last night after the Thomas home run. Most home runs from players age 23 or younger in a single postseason. In 2017, the Astros had nine. They won the World Series. 2023, this current Diamondbacks team has 10 after the Thomas home run last night. And the most belongs to the 2015 Chicago Cubs. 2015? Who had 11 the year before they won the World Series. Yeah. But so that would have been... Chris Bryant. Addison Russell. Kyle Schwarber. Yeah. It's the same mantra. Oh, Jorge Soler was on that team. It's the same mantra, Steve. Yeah. It's the same way they built this team. A bunch of young dudes who are ready for the big moments supplemented by the veteran talent that helps push them over the edge. Pretty comparable. And, and, you know, we've talked about this for a couple of years, so I'll revisit it very quickly. But there is a formula that I use to build a championship winner. And this is the formula that has successfully worked year after year after year. It's basically you find an offensive young core that you build around. These are, let's take the Cubs, for example. They were building around Anthony Rizzo, Chris Bryant, uh, eventually uh, Javi Baez was in there, Kyle Schwarber, right? That's your offensive core you're building around. For the D-backs, it's Corbin Carroll, it's now Perdomo, it's now Alec Thomas, it's Gabby Moreno. It's all these young pieces you're building the core around. Cattell Marte still counts as well, I think. Then eventually what you do is you add the pitching later. You go get an ace, like the Red Sox going and getting uh, John Lester. Yep. Or no, he was already there. The Cubs go and get John Lester. They go and add a, a dominant reliever, like an Aroldis Chapman. That's how you build a contender is the pitching comes later. And ben I look Zobrist, at this. the ever utility man. Yeah, like a veteran utility guy is always super helpful too. I feel like the Diamondbacks are still at the end of phase one where they've got the young core now, right? You've got all these 23-year-olds. So now going into next year, you've already got that. So now all you do is you add the pitching. You add another ace of a, of a starter. You go and you find a really dominant reliever. And I feel as good about this Diamondbacks bullpen as I've felt in years right now with where they're at in the postseason. So while we're not having the conversation yet about how the team looks for next year, it does build this confidence to me that they're ahead of schedule in a lot of ways. And the way that most teams build contender, eventual contenders is how the Diamondbacks have been building this team. I mean, we've talked about it a lot, right? The formula for success, you just laid it out. Have a young core and a foundation, 
I mean, think think about the three teams on this list that I just mentioned. The 2017 Astros, George Springer, Jose yep. Altuve, Carlos Alex Correa, Bregman. Alex Bregman. But then what was supplementing it, right? Brian McCann, Josh Reddick, a trash can down the hallway. And then right? the pitching comes later. Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander for different championships. Zach Greinke. Zach Greinke eventually as well. 2015 Cubs. Mentioned a few already. Chris Bryant, Kyle Schwarber, Addison Russell. But at the same time, Anthony Rizzo was already there for a couple of years. And then you get some veterans like a Ben Zobrist, Dexter Fowler, David Ross, John Lester. This works for every team, by the way. Red Sox, 28. Literally every team. Red Sox, 2018. Works. You build around Devers. You build around other guys. Then eventually Mookie you go Betts. get the pitching. Chris Sale is the acquisition there. David Price. Right. The Nationals. Build around Trey Turner. You have uh, Bryce Harper for a time, although he wasn't there for the championship. Juan Soto. Rendon. Anthony Rendon. Soto. But then, then you go you and you get the pitching. Max Scherzer. And they go Steven and acquire Strasburg. Patrick Corbin, who yes. helps them to a championship. This is the formula. And the Diamondbacks are following it, and it's kind of exciting. They, and whether or not it pays off this season, it makes you feel good about going into the future years where these 23-year-olds who are performing in the NLCS, they're going to be here a long time. Yeah. Like, they ain't going nowhere. So, like, if they don't even get it done this year, the 2015 Cubs, they got it done the next year. Let's get it done this year, though. The 2017, <laughs> well, I agree. The 2017 Astros, they got it done that year. Right. But then they made the World Series again in 19. Right. And again in 21. And again in 22. And are now a win away from going back again this year. The Dynamax are set up for success forever now. Well, hypothetically forever. But... This is very much going in the Diamondbacks' way. And it's because they did exactly what every successful team has done this past decade. And now that we got you all excited about the uh, future, let's get you all hopped up on Game 5 tonight. And it starts with the man on the mound. And boy, does he need a bounce-back performance. We'll talk about Zach Gallen next here on Arizona Sports Saturday. Mitch and Steve on Arizona Sports Saturday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We heard from the Arizona Diamondbacks officially today that Game 5 tonight will be a sellout. Boom. Sold out. Snakes alive. I believe Michael Phelps is throwing out the first pitch tonight. Uh, They're going to close the roof again. I think it was supposed to be open tonight, but because of the temperatures last night, and honestly, if you keep winning, you might as well just keep the roof closed. Honestly, let's tell Michael Phelps to stay home and let's have Larry Fitzgerald throw out the first pitch again. So it's right now 92 degrees, according to Google, just okay. typing in the word temperature in the Google bar. Which means it'll probably get hotter. Um, 4 p.m. it's expected to be, or no, sorry, that's that's for Sunday. So it's expected to get as high as 101. Yeah, kind of And hot. as low as 72. So the roof will be closed tonight and 50,000 of your closest friends will be waiting for you at Chase Field. Uh, it's going to be pretty ruckus. The two Zacks on the mound tonight. Zach Gallen for the Diamondbacks. Zach Wheeler for the Phillies. Wheeler was great last time. Zach Gallen, we, we've talked a lot about it today. He's a whole other animal at home than he is on the road. His ERA is two runs higher on the road. So you're hoping you get classic at-home Zach Gallen today. Yes. He's not had a great postseason. He's got three starts, 16 and a third innings pitched. He's only got 12 strikeouts in those 16 innings. And he's given up 18 hits, nine earned runs, an ERA of five almost. It's weird. His best start came against the team that we all feared he would have the worst go against in the Dodgers. 
The Dodgers start was his best start so far of this postseason. Um, the Milwaukee start was pretty comparable, and he went longer in that game. I still think that everything weight-wise behind the Dodgers start made it far more impactful than more daunting know, lineup. The clincher faced. against the Brewers, yeah. yeah, that's fair. That's not to diminish the Brewers. They won their division this year. They deserved it. They both all the three games were on the road. They only needed two. But Zach Gallen's start against the Dodgers was far more cathartic. And pitching in L.A. is much harder than pitching in Milwaukee. 100%. Again, no offense to Milwaukee, but we can all acknowledge that, right? I mean, we're far removed from Milwaukee now. They've, been on, they've been on break for a while, haven't they? We're a, we're a pretty big deal. They're not. Um, Snakes alive. So you get the two Zachs tonight. <laughs> That's certainly an interesting pitching matchup. We talked a little bit about bullpen usage, too, because in the bullpen game in Game 4, which... Basically, both teams did a bullpen game. Yep. I know technically Christopher Sanchez is a starter, but he hasn't started a game in a month. Which is funny, too, to tangent real quick. I was listening to Rob Thompson's postgame last night, and he mentioned about the non-usage so far of Taiwan Walker and Michael Lorenzen. Right. Who were two starters for them during the course of the season. And he mentioned how he would rather them be options in longer relief situations. Well, that ain't going to happen oh, so, tonight. So you mean like, you know, last night when Sanchez gets pulled within the first three innings? Yeah, mean? we talked about that. I kind of thought maybe they would go to Taiwan Walker eventually and that Sanchez was just a lefty to start the game to kind of screw with the Diamondbacks lineup. And then eventually you move on to the righty for a couple of innings, two, three innings. Um, they didn't do that. I mean, they did eventually go to a righty, but it wasn't Taiwan Walker or Lorenzen. So no. that's an interesting choice. Taiwan Walker, by the way, makes $18 million this season. The... And I realize it's Philadelphia, so there's some disposable income there that you just don't have in a Well, they have an Arizona. over $200 million payroll. But you're right? paying a guy $18 million to not play in the postseason? Yeah. Then why is he there? I mean, you know, if you get a game four paid. like that, I I don't know, man. I probably would have at least played Taiwan Walker for an inning or two in that game. Uh, Lorenzen also had a really good first half. Uh, had a magical game where he threw a no-hitter this season, and he's not even being used either. So It's crazy. Interesting usage from the Phillies, but I do wonder what the Diamondbacks will have available to them tonight. Let's assume that Gallon goes at least five innings. I think it's a it's probably a mistake or, or a huge Titanic loss if... Can gallons I, out by five. Can I push you and ask for six? I think you should hope for six. Expect five, hope for six. Here's here's how I would telegraph it. Hundred pitches. I don't I don't I don't want to do the cap at this amount of batters strategy. I get it. The whole the mantra of the third time through the order is, well, they've seen you twice now. They've there's so much access to video and pitch sequencing and understanding how all that works. I get it. But this is your best pitcher, and you just used eight relievers last night. They give, say everybody's available tonight. I, I understand, and everybody should be available. But give Zach Gallen his due. We've talked about it already ad nauseum. He pitches so darn well at home. So darn well. And then I even threw in the aspect that he's probably never pitched in an environment at Chase Field that it's going to be like tonight where every one of the 50,000 or so seats is filled. He's never pitched in an environment like that here at Chase Field. What if this happens? Scenario for you. He's through five, giving up a couple of runs. Let's say three runs. Okay. Through five, giving up three runs, getting roughed around a little bit in the fourth inning, fifth inning, and he's going into the sixth. Do you pull him? 
you've got Kyle, let's say you've got Kyle Schwarber coming to the plate, top of the lineup for the third time in a row. Are you switching out Zach Gallen for somebody else under the assumption that you're probably going to go with a lefty the way the Diamondbacks consistently have? It's a tough decision for Tori Lovello. I have two follow-ups for you. Number one, are you asking what I think will happen or what I want will happen? Uh, it just in that scenario, what what would you do? My expectation is that he'll go to a left-hander, maybe Mantiply or Nelson. Yeah. Probably not Nelson because Nelson allowed the home run last night in a lefty-lefty matchup. Yeah. I wouldn't so prefer not. Nelson. Here's my second follow-up question. How many runs have the Diamondbacks scored? Because if this is a 3 nothing game, yeah, I'm going to get a little more aggressive pitching-wise. What if it's a tie? How much faith do you have in Zach Gallon? I have a lot of faith in Zach Gallon, but against the lefty the get, third time through, he's starting to get touched up a little. Uh, maybe he walks a batter in the fifth inning. I mean, I know this is a very specific situation I'm laying out, but it's one that they've encountered several times in this postseason, where Brandon Fought goes four and two thirds innings of really solid baseball against LA, and they pull the quick hook on him. And even Tori talked about that later. Like, ah, man, I know it was a tough decision, but. That's the strategy we have laid out. And quite frankly, it's worked for them more times than it hasn't. Yes. I know it didn't work great yesterday that they left Andrew Salfrink on the mound and he ends up walking three hitters. Um, he didn't look, he looked like he was physically mad at himself during that game. You and I could have watched that and thought to ourselves, okay, that makes all the sense in the world to pull him, but it's not that simple. They come up with these strategies way ahead of time. It'll be interesting to see. And I'm very much looking forward to, funny enough, it feels like all the pitching matchups have been here, like or the pitchers' duels, I should say, have been here in a park that at least what I'm used to seeing is a ton of balls leaving the yard. And they're facing a team that is very prone to hitting home runs. I mean, we've got one dude that's hit four home runs in this series in four games. It's, it's a daunting task, but the Diamondbacks are very much in it. And momentum is very much on their side heading into tonight. 5.07, first pitch for Game 5, a sellout at Chase Field. The roof will be closed tonight. All the action here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. That's going to do it for us here on Arizona Sports Saturday. I want to thank you for listening. I want to thank my co-host Mitch Vareldis and Trevor Henry behind the glass. I'm Steve Zinsmeister. Also to our guest Alex Weiner for joining us live from Chase Field, or on his way to Chase Field, where he basically lives these days. We'll be back with you tonight for all the reaction post-game after Game 5. You're going to want to be here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.